0: Thank you for listening to the Calgary Business Podcast. As host, I continue to learn about the initiatives from small business owners, students, student founders, educators, ed tech founders, civic officials, nonprofit executives, healthcare executives, technology experts, technology startup founders, and even oil and gas tech startups. These individuals have shared their stories in person during the pre COVID period and remotely throughout the COVID and the quasi-COVID opening periods. Out of 86 podcasts recorded and released so far in 2021, I had the privilege of learning about the important support network of Woods Homes from clinical coordinator David Williamson during episode 309. As I learned, Woods Homes provides treatment and support for children, youth, and families with mental health needs a service that has become increasingly important during the COVID pandemic. Take the time to consider learning more about and possibly donating to Woods Homes and their many programs, including the Elbow Springs Counseling Service. Once again, thanks for listening to the Calgary Business Podcast. I invite you to subscribe to the podcast from whatever app you access your podcasts, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and even Amazon Music. I also invite you to leave a review. This will allow others to easily find the Calgary Business Podcast. Have a great day and stay safe. Good morning or good afternoon. Welcome to Calgary Business Podcast. I'm your host, Alan Wozni, and this morning or this afternoon... Cynthia, I've got you on the line um, for to talk about your company called Vertira. Do I get that right?
1: That's right. Hi, hi, Alan. How are things in Calgary today?
0: Well, we've had sun the last couple of days. It seems like the weather is uh, conducive to to getting out outdoors, so we don't cool. need to be indoors these days.
1: Great, fantastic, love it.
0: This is oh, I I should say this is episode number three hundred and ten. It's a nice round number. But I'm looking, I, I literally looked at your website. I think the case studies you have on there, you probably have well over 300 case studies, media appearances. I, we really need to do a deep dive and, and Cynthia get you to tell us all about Vertira.
1: Sure, sounds great. So we are a small company. Obviously I have dogs at home. Yes, you'll hear them barking. Was that your dog? I thought it was my dog. <laughs> So we're, we're a small company that punches, I think, quite above our weight. So yeah. most of our clients are big tech companies in the U.S., um, Dell, Cisco, VMware. And our specialty is making remote teams more effective. So yeah. we have been obviously retooling a lot of our best practices during the pandemic. And um, we've got a team of, I think we've got at this point around 60 or 70 people. It kind of goes up and wow. down. But, uh, and they're spread all over everywhere. It's a completely virtual company. And uh, it was designed to be a virtual company from scratch uh, from 11 years ago. And it, um, yeah, we uh, were kind of right now looking forward to seeing how things shake out with the new hybrid workforce and see where we still play in that market.
0: Well, let's, let's go back to, two, so 2011, you cut, cause you had a different name. It was called sales beacon. Is that right?
1: Yeah, yeah. So at that point, uh, we were focused entirely on enterprise sales, making enterprise sales teams more effective, actually sales operations as well. So we did big projects uh, across um, geographies, we would roll out training to 6000 reps on a new uh, tool in Salesforce and we would um, do big, big sales operations projects, and that kind of evolved into these huge enterprise sales engagements. So in the, in the tech world, if you sell something to, let's say, a Ford or a Walmart or one of the big tech companies, you, you might install a thousand right. <clears throat> big systems across the world. And that cre- that is an, it's more of a project than a sale and a lot of companies um, a lot of companies manage the sale after they're able to manage the fulfillment yeah. but it's getting that sale you've got to have advanced services and legal and procurement and financing and so account reps usually are completely bogged down in getting the this all the things they need to get on all the people chasing to get everything they done done to get a sale right. closed so right. we do a lot of work working with enterprise sales teams on 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 a fractional basis so we'll maybe work with them two or three hours a week and we will literally wrangle everybody they need to be in to all the agreements all the approvals they need to get that sale closed and um we we work with a lot of the uh, most of our work is doing that but we're moving that more into a, what i would call a fractional support um, because other departments also have the same problem where you've got to bring a bunch of people together, get something done, but you may not need a full-time project manager. You might yeah. just need somebody to get the, te- make the team effective, which is what but we it do. sounds like.
0: That would be like a call-off sheet. So if you have a master, I'm going, I'm putting my hat on from my CFO, CFO, CFO days and, and literally, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of the contractors in oil and gas would, they, and they'd say, well, we, well, here's our call-off sheet. We don't need this for all the time, but you, we might. And, and as to your point of the enterprise across the globe, if there's a thousand, they weren't necessarily that big. Is that the same? We have a master contract and then call off sheets for different different functions. Yeah,
1: or? no, we sort of work with um, our our service is is fairly unique. We can yeah. uh, we were asked to develop it by one of our major clients um, because they saw how good we were at managing projects. And I'm not sure. sure if I've got the meaning of what a call-out sheet is, but you know- so it's we'll basically for- a
0: contract, it's agreement and you they list out who the different, the, so the different uh, traits. So if an oil and gas, because the reason I'm even talking oil and gas because when I saw project management, I was thinking, whoa, you're, must be a construction that kind of- Yeah, I know. You're on the different side. But so it's just, a, it's a call. So they, the, the master agreement, and then you list all the different services. And this is really, it's, it's common in the oil and gas, it's Slumberjays and, and Halliburton's, so whoever, like the big, they literally, here's our, here's our call off sheet. So this engineer works for $200 an hour, whatever it is. And then it's for this activity. So you call off, you want this activity, then you, it's already predefined the, the terms, and activities, and, and rates. Yeah,
1: sure. So it's sort of like when you go to Ikea and buy something and they put you in contact with uh this firm and they they come in you know yeah. on an odd hack, odd ad hoc resources. Yeah. It's 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 not really like that. We will um we will a team will be pursuing a large sale. So we will sign a contract somewhere between three to six months. Yeah, or even sometimes a year. I mean some of our some of the contracts take up to a year to close. Wow. And um, so we have a very specific. Uh, we're not really like there six thousand sales reps wouldn't have us on there. Oh, let's dial up Vertera and see how they're. You know, let's get because i do not sure we can <laughs> handle the business. Frankly, it would it would uh, be a scalability problem. But it, it's kind of like that. It's a fraction. It's basically a very specialized fractional services and. We have found over time that other areas like marketing and finance and, you know, product development, they have the same needs there. They don't need a full-time, they don't need a full-time project manager to wrangle a bunch of cross-functional teams across the planet. They just need somebody to come in and make everybody effective for three or four hours a week. So we've kind of bridged between where we have full-time people running these big projects and then the. And then what i would call the more the fractional services
0: okay because well, uh, i want to i want to yeah. unpack that because mm-hmm. when i think of a project management again I, i'm putting my con- the construction hat on because one of the it guys that was working in the middle east who was a good friend of mine and he was he, he did the port project in qatar and he had come from dubai with another port project so he's literally managing but that was a software all the different components and there's a lot of subcontractors that come in. His project management overlay was was quite complex. And I just, you know, because it's these, these, they bolt on different things. Do you get to that granular? And so maybe walk me through yeah, one year yeah, de- fractional thing.
1: No, it, de- it depends on the scope of the project. So we have hardcore, very hardcore project, but they're business project managers as opposed to you know, as we know, uh, project management started in IT, construction, military. It was very, yeah. very, you know, end-to-end. Here's your work breakdown structure. I mean, most of us are trained on project management and agile. and um, Oh, agile. And it's That's it's cool. a little bit different because all those met- – what's really interesting about those methodologies is they were developed for – everybody going into a war room, which you've probably seen in, you know, where you have all these stick, not sticky notes, but in the old days, they'd have flip charts and whiteboards covered and everybody would go into this project war room and they, everything would be on the walls. And so we had to take those methodologies and adapt them for virtual and remote. So, and it's very, very different beast. A, you're dealing with a lot of people who do not have a background in project management on these cross-functional teams and B, you're dealing remotely with people that are completely distracted by all kinds of other things. And even back in 2011, 2012, this, this was a big problem with, you know, how do you get the attention of somebody that you cannot literally bang on their door and say, Hey, I need that. I need that report done that you promised me last week. Or, you know, I need this approval done. So what we've, what we've had to do over the, over the years is adapt our own methodology, project methodologies for these very large business projects that are done virtually. So you've got two different, you have two different dynamics. A, they're not these very defined, like, you know, when you're doing a building, okay, you've got a very finite end, you know, thing is architectural plans. This is projects i mean they can go off scope in about five minutes as a cfo you've probably seen this work where, well, see, where you will see, you know uh, we yeah. just had
0: we just had on our project uh, project on the podcast so jeff the and he works with he does the government a lot of government work they're a tech company here in calgary and he talked about agile the agile you know the way to, to, mm-hmm. to approach this because the, the, in the in the construction side you have a lot of change change that the design change and Uh, whatever it is to you'll constantly get work orders or work your change orders that that escalates the cost so if you as you to your point right there first five minutes (laughs) you've already got a change that means there's a change of scope or whatever right and that that costs money for the for the client or for costs you money if you can't recharge it or back to whatever you call that
1: yeah no no, exactly so change orders so the um the the thing about that is the change orders or the change management process it's yeah. i'm just trying to think what i I just had a great thing it's great thought in my mind it's completely gone probably not enough coffee today the um so the the what is really interesting about business projects is that so many of them are scoped by people for example, a vice president will want to announce a new, a new, some, a new global platform at a sales meeting, right. or somebody will want to announce this. So often the people that actually come up with these projects are not the ones that have to execute them. And so by the time it trickles down to the project team, right. you have this, and the reason Agile is so important is that you have to create these quick wins? You have to create these small, discrete wins throughout but the project this, because at that's any what he was point, describing
0: yeah, he would describe yeah, having at, the agile. At any win, uh, point, your scope yeah.
1: could go way off. Maybe he's going to go to another job, where you're going to yeah. have a huge reorg. So you have to try and make your client as successful as possible by having these constant wins and these these dis- discrete. So we kind of morph together, I would say, traditional project management with agile with virtual work best practices.
0: Okay, so is Agile and, just yeah. a process mm-hmm. or a, a way of approaching a project? Because I didn't get it, that clear because we were in a different Yeah, process.
1: so Agile was, Agile was developed for software development. And it was, it was really developed because traditional project management, which was, we could call it the waterfall method, yeah. is you would start at one end and you would go to the other, which is very yeah. typical for military, right. um, you know, construction, that kind of thing. With software, you know, often the problem is when they try to adapt that methodology to things like software development, you've kind of got to think about the users. You kind of got to think about the people that are going to be moving into that building, which most buildings, you know, unless you're, most buildings don't think about that. So the user needs, so they, they would, they would come up with a, a um, the building doesn't have a
0: mind. Does the building have a mind or it can have a mind? You I said suppose the, it can The building now. doesn't Smart think buildings about that. Are probably,
1: I think some builders are smarter than I am now. <laughs> scarily, yeah. um, good time to go off the internet. The um, so the the you have to what they do is say it and I I can't get into the whole agile project management methodology. No, 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 no I did, I'm glad you know, but
0: that it's it yeah. is software dedicated. It's it's for the software mm-hmm. construction management or project management for the software industry. Because Jeff, his company's of his works here in Calgary, and he we were on a right. podcast with some students and. He was referring to exactly what you said, the waterfall. And so this is great. You've sort of confirmed or you're pretty much saying the same thing. It's
1: more of an iterative process as opposed to an end-to-end process where, and it's much more of a dynamic where if somebody says, oh, you know, that button doesn't work, you can go back. Before you get to the very end and figure out that button doesn't work at the end, and you've got to redevelop like ninety thousand lines of code, so it's just a more—it's a more, I guess, agile is the best word for it, right? Agile, flexible, much more discrete, shorter, shorter uh, time frames, and and people check in a lot more often on what what their status is. Sure. So we don't have we don't have I we blend those together because uh, in, but I would say there. are, more of our methodology is agile than it is project the traditional waterfall method.
0: So let's let's go back because you mentioned 2011 2012. I mean the big tech, big tech has moved on from the early days 95 Microsoft 95 you know, Windows 95 releases and all that. So by that point, why aren't they doing this themselves? And and I'm not. I'm just trying to figure this out because. You're talking big tech. It sounds like this is their territory, their domain, uh, the Microsofts. Yeah, yeah.
1: Well, the interesting thing is is that you have to remember that these large companies, most of them grew by acquisition. So, for example, you take any of the large companies, and I won't name names, but I, the one of the ones we worked with, I think they're on their 140th, 150th acquisition now. So you can imagine what, Bringing all those people and systems and and you know trying to make them all work together. Yeah. So they're regardless. Let's say they're the best of breed. If you if you have even if you have nine people working together on a project and they're all from different teams all over the world, you're still you're still going to have data problems. You know data reporting problems. You're still going to have, you know there's all kinds of issues behind the scenes of these large companies, just because they've grown, not organically, they've grown by bigging other large companies in,
0: you know,
1: look. Yeah. So look at Webex. I mean, Webex is a perfect example. Cisco acquired Webex. I can't remember what year it was. And they, they, and the, you know, the person who was actually the key developer, uh, the vice president at that point left Cisco and started zoom. So, you know, and it's, you've got all these competitive issues. So, there's I think the large I'm not going to call say the large companies have a lot of opportunities simply because they're constantly, well, is it, on the is move, is constantly growing
0: they've got they're so large and they've got use they've their own fires to fight and, and and this is an element you're in a kind of a niche you kind of I don't know if you call it fall this could fall through the cracks and you you you're there you're, you're the one sitting in the cracks hey we're here <laughs> I don't know like that's that virtual crack. you've you've you found a white space or an open space that they just, they need. I mean, it sounds like yeah. they're so big. So they just
1: one of, yeah. And one of the things we found is that um, we also built capabilities in creative services and data analytics, because we found that it doesn't matter what kind of initiative call it initiative, rather than a project that we're working on. Yeah. The um, there's always a need to either have some kind of, report to somebody and you usually have to pull data from a bunch of sources that don't talk to each other so we and trying to get that in-house at these large companies was next to impossible because they're all dealing on these big you know billion multi-billion dollar initiatives the other thing was you've got to you've usually got to you've got to do a presentation to somebody about your project initiative. You've got to make the other stakeholders understand, okay, what have we just spent $50 million on? So we, we actually over time, because we couldn't get those resources in house at our clients, we built those capabilities ourselves. So that's another thing that is, is fairly unique in a company that really our core competency is project management. We also do creative services and business analytics, and we combine it together into this and again still, it still can be full-time or fractional you know we find that every, almost every project needs either they it needs a management component it needs a it needs a reporting component and it needs a presentation component which again I, may not be the case in these um construction or you sure. know more traditional project management areas
0: but you you've touched on this something you said you're you were there your project management your expertise. And these things seem to have popped up as a, as a result of, or part, you know, that part of that process of, you know, I don't know, during your due diligence, maybe so, you know, somebody saying, hey, we could really help them on this area. Is it, was it like that? Those, those, those bolt-on services? I mean, business analytics, we'll talk about that in a second, but creative services and data analytics, it was, yeah. was that what was happening as you saw? As you, oh, well, it here? was
1: because our projects were getting delayed because we couldn't get this done. It wow. was purely a need. It, yeah. We it wasn't so much we identified a client need as much as we
0: your own, we your
1: own. our number one one of our core values is to make uh make our whoever we're working for a superstar. We want to make whoever that started that project, whether they right. know it, you know, whether they said it six months too early, are make whoever it is you're working for into a superstar. In order to do that, in order to make them look good, we've got to produce a result
0: that and then the it, cfo okay yeah. that's the cfo the cfo steadily said because you probably had to bring in back to your change order you had to bring someone in consultant or say hey, we need that we need this in and you couldn't recharge for that or whatever it was to reduce the delay or and then suddenly there's the cfo hey how much are you paying for that service and then you said let's just bring this in house at some point
1: yeah um
0: Oh, absolutely. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And we we were lucky enough that we had on early, in the early days, we had people that had worked in gaming, that had worked in other areas that had the, you know, that had enough of the creative and the business. I mean, we're not talking that could pull data from Oracle. We had enough expertise on the team that we could do it. But over time, we spun those off into separate areas completely. Like business analysts and creative so it's just it was an it was we very quickly understood if we wanted to have successful projects that came in on time on budget hopefully ahead of both we needed to have these other capabilities so they we and then we just grew them we grew them over the time and i would say our creative services right now is probably one of our stronger areas which is really interesting just because so many you know the corporate the in-house corporate Is always working on the big, you know, big new bets or the, the, they just don't have the capacity.
0: Sorry, what was that? What was the type of that? What's that division or, or,
1: oh, big bets. Yeah. That's your, that's,
0: that's something you work on. No, no. Well, yeah. You you have a new division that because of that.
1: Yeah. Because it's, again, it's all about capacity. It's all about how many people and you, with a pandemic and everybody not being on their core, you know, the, the networks and things. Yeah, we've, we've, we've had to adapt to some to the in-house marketing. You know, they're working completely digitally. They had to beef up their digital. So the, their capacity is a lot less than it was before right. the pandemic right now. So super interesting. It's such an interesting time. So I
0: there's it's interesting that you talked about business analytics and also the software. So the, I had a conversation recently that the business analytics, before they take on a, a software client or a client, they were talking about this business. We want a business ana, uh, analytics person or to, to take a, I don't know, what, can you walk me through that? Because I, I just was kind of this, they kept saying B-A-B-A and I'm like, oh, what is that? What's well, a business analytics Yeah, person. so that
1: would, be, that would be a slightly different application to what we do. So most of our work is talking because remember these companies are built by acquisition. So the most uh, the legacy data systems that are sitting in these big still sitting in big mainframes they don't talk to each other. So Mm -hmm. Salesforce and Oracle, the the the, these large large uh, repositories of information that the company has are spread not only geographically but they're spread between all of these companies that they've acquired. And you, I don't know what you want to do for your life. I don't want to try and integrate all those data systems. So a lot of our, a lot of what we do is we'll pull some data from one side. We'll pull it from the other. We'll pull it from another. We'll dump it into Tableau or some, you know, reporting tool and we'll come up with reports so that the senior stakeholders can understand not only from the project perspective, but they can say, "Okay, we're doing really well in the Midwest here. Maybe we've got to beef up support over in in you know the Northeast area or something like that." So, it's it's all about it's it's all about pulling disparate disparate pieces of information and making them understandable to people that have to make decisions.
0: But I and, love what uh, we just said. It's not trying to integrate everything. It's just pulling data. Because it there's is. so the peta, meta, whatever that you know whatever that volume today, you know the terabyte, it's way beyond terabytes. It's petabytes and meta, whatever the you know the next iterations of that trillions and beyond. That's incredible because instead of that, just it's just it's more it's more uh, I guess solving quicker. You can you can get data quicker that way, and you can be more add more value to your clients.
1: Yeah, and it, and it you know, as people like to say, well, you can use this tool to make these two databases talk, you know, the fact is, most of the large clients have modified most of their systems, so right. that they don't really talk very easily to anything, frankly. <laughs> and even if they talk in one area, they may not yeah. talk in the EU, maybe they've got language differences. So. Sure. The, and it, you know, and it sounds crazy. You think it sounds crazy in this day and age that we manually, you know, we manually pull in. And of course it's not all manual, some stuff we can integrate easily, but there's, so the one part is making, pulling it all into the report. And then the other part, which is the uh, more business analytics part is to make that data understandable to whoever's right. reading it. Right. Cause as you know, I mean, you don't want to read through a 900 page report to figure out, you know, you don't have time. Nobody hey, has hey, time. I right? love
0: those paid, those reports. I did for weeks, <laughs> but you're right though, right? So that yeah. uh, making it understandable to the user to that UI experience or the, U, the UX, right? That end, yeah. end user is just gonna, depending on who that is, I guess it's, that's probably the beauty of your work when, from what I can hear is just their creative side is how do you, you know, who do you, you know, who's your audience? And that you know, could be that executive from Cisco or Dell or Telus or whatever or could just be i don't know you know somebody's working in a remote field
1: yeah exactly and people want bite-sized data and as you, you know as you know it, so a lot and that's again goes back to the creative services it, the communications component we have a large large part of what we do is making things quickly and easily understandable to whoever is reading it So whether it's an email, we don't bury the information at the bottom, right? So we've got whole all of our methodologies around capturing attention, getting the attention of whoever we need to get the attention of, and making sure that they understand. Okay, you got to read this report. This is information, because you know what are you you're you're competing with so much input these days. You know, in even if it's not corporate, you're dealing. You know, think about all the things that people have to go through their go through their, between their laptop and their phone and their tablet. So, yeah. you know, we have to make, and again, it's all about making our stakeholder look good. We've got to cut through the noise so that whoever we're trying to get this information to gets it, understands it and knows exactly what they have to do.
0: This so is, uh, it's incredible yeah. because the, the, you know, the accountant in me and I, there was a couple of, I don't have to name names, but I threw it up on my website, but you know, the, the reporting to the publics, the oil and gas companies with you know complex I'll, I'll say Alta gas they have a complex business model upstream downstream but the reporting seems to be geared to the accountant because it's public one slide I think it was maybe two slides out of hundred nine Wow I think one or two slides showed that and they tried to do it in a big s if you can imagine like an S walking through yeah. from up you know the when they're going upstream and bringing the oil out the ground and downstream to sell it that what you just said, that communications part, imagine all the different components in that 38, or okay, this is Baskin Robbins, 28 flavors, but it's vanilla. That reporting is vanilla. So the communication to the guy who's sitting in a gas plant down in wherever, he doesn't care about all the other downstream rupture. He doesn't care about all the noise. He just wants his communication, as you mentioned. I just need to know, I don't know you, know, you need to bring that down to my level. You know, I love exactly that. What you, you said that about capturing the attention we, you the- know,
1: we want it the old standard. We want it to be easy enough to understand that our grandmother would understand it or, well, I guess I'm old enough to be a grandmother now, so I would understand it for somebody 80 or 90 year old. So we we try. It's got to be simple. It's got to be high yes. impact. It's got to be visual. And uh, most of our communications, whether they're email, whether they're text, whether they're collaboration, everything is geared fewer words, more images, high impact get their attention, communicate, whatever you have to do. And, you know, a lot of that comes, I mean, before many in the late nineties, I ran a firm that I was just a sole consultant, but I, I wrote business plans for startups. Yeah. And the reason I got a lot of business is my, my business plans look like annual reports. So they don't, they weren't your usual, you know, with the venture capital where you get 20 of these reports on your desk and they're all, you know, basically words mine were beautifully designed gorgeous documents and more of my clients got funding than anybody else because they were simply easier to read and understand the value proposition right so that that sort of flows through the what we're talking about here and um it's i think virtually in any small business or any business at all if you're not if it's not easy to understand your value proposition in you know, your elevator pitch you're within the first ten seconds, you've lost it.
0: No you know, idea. it's I mean, just
1: it's just not there.
0: And the thing you said is people their attention today is attention, you know, because you're either re- remote working, you really don't have much time. It's a lot the average individual, I don't care man, woman, or child, <laughs> the attention span is very low. And if you can't if you can't I listen to a Spotify, I got a podcast on this, but what they're trying to do. He said you you don't have the in the 70s you had the song seven minute eight to ten minute songs <laughs> and before you knew what the song is you don't you have six seconds to get yeah. the attention because you need a sound bite and he they're talking like they're really going meta right so that's six seconds that's a tick tocky level right take yeah To how do you funnel them and that's it they want to funnel them to the longer form uh but yeah you've got a lot of you know so whatever depends on the executive whoever they are where they where they're located and this is incredible. You have a, a cute history. Well,
1: yeah, I know it's super, but we've, we've because we've been doing it so long, yeah. you know, we've, we've, the methodology. So everybody who joins our company is trained. They are trained in communications. We give them, actually, we, we give everybody a copy of the Elements of Style because the, by uh, Strunk, which is the best, easiest guide on writing ever written. And uh, I refer back to it as often as I can. Elements of and, Style? Yeah, the Elements of Style by uh, Strunk and white and I think we even have a I don't think we've got a download of it but it's just it's a very very short book but it's the best yeah if you want to take all the extra words out of your language I would highly recommend that book it's my I, I give it to everybody I know
0: so' the, uh, the using the you, the text messaging LOL and the, you're not yeah that, you're
1: <laughs> yeah well, I think it was written wow well, I think it was written back in the 30s or 40s but it's yeah. it takes it tells just tells you how to take all all the extra words. That you don't need because i do find i don't know about you i find that a lot of things that i get have just there's too many words right and again this is all about how are you going to best communicate your ideas to grab, grab somebody somebody's attention
0: no i think so, some of my best I, I said the best training i had was being an auditor being a an audit partner with oh, yeah. deloitte and some of the you know and seeing the nuances and getting trained in how to prepare a letter to the client, or you know, massaging that, or spending time in presentation at Toastmasters, those kind of come together. That you know, how do you communicate? And There's a book that was called "Eats, Shoots, and Leaves." I don't oh, know. If you, no, punctu- I haven't. It's the punctuation book. It's written by a woman, but she she focused on punctuation. So, eats, shoots, and leaves. Depending on where you put that, you know, it was you could play on the words and eats, and then shoots somebody, and then leaves. But it was, it. A, it, was a, it was about a bear or a panda bear, I think, was eating, eat shoots and, it, and leaves on you know, <laughs> the tree, right? So I it depends on where you put the punctuation in that. And I, so I don't know, I, I pride that so professional side and I just see that difference. As you can see it in writers, if someone hasn't worked in a professional, like I literally, and I'll give you the Big Four example. A guy left the Big Four early in his career and was working for an oil company in, in, in Russia that I worked for after and he was he couldn't communicate very well to the manager who was in Deloitte they wanted to hire her to come across into to Russia you could just see it and you could see it in the text the way they you know it wasn't text then but it was the communication and the dialogue was so different and the and his whole he the way he prepared reports was so different than a manager who worked at a higher level you know and, and so there's a big difference
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, and the distraction was really interesting. Even back in 2000, or in the mid-2000s, early 2000s, I would go walk through an office of a client, and I would see a screen, and it would be covered with text messages, AOL, Yahoo. uh, And this one person I walked past who was one of the people I was dealing with, her entire screen was covered with people she was texting to. And I don't know what they called it in those days. It wasn't texting, it was... Uh, messaging I can't remember what they called it before uh, we we did what we do now anyway the um, uh, and I'm, I'm thinking this person is because multitasking is a myth as yeah. we all know yeah. so how is this person getting any work done literally her screen is covered with, it's got all these and she's talking to them all constantly and that is I mean that is fast forwarded to today's world where it's it's like it's co- kind of gone absolutely crazy and you think about that and you think about the context trying to try and get anything done or in communicating to anybody it's just such a lot okay of noise so out there. so
0: on that point what do you recommend so if you if, if everybody's running like that how do you what do you what would you recommend to people out there today and, and that's in this world of when there's just things are moving 90 miles an hour and you're trying to get 20 what do you say to people
1: well, the first thing is that I can, you know, so first of all, if you are communicating inside your organization, I, we definitely like the use of um, things like Microsoft Teams or WebEx Teams or Slack. So we like, me- we like collaboration systems and messaging systems right. much more than email. Email gets buried. And the nice thing, the thing about the messaging systems is if you, let's say you're having a really bad day and you do a real zinger of a message, which you kind of regret. If you send that by email, you are not guaranteed you can get it back. If you, send, if you do a message, you can, you can delete, delete it. And yeah. although the person may have seen it, they can't prove it. <laughs> and I'm just talking pure liability here. So the, the, the other thing is, is that uh, email is, um, so we like, we like um, I call the subject line and the first three lines of an email, the park place and the park place of like monopoly
0: monopoly yeah, so yeah.
1: and those are the most important parts of your email so don't if you are you know if you need somebody's attention you put asterisk in the subject line you put please read you 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 have subject you have to make a subject line that's very strong you don't want to put everything a caps letter but you've <laughs> got to make that subject line because often often the <laughs> subject line may be the only thing that comes up on their screen depending yeah. which platform they're using yeah and then if you really want them to understand, okay, there's a meeting meeting at three o'clock here and you've got to come or we need you to read this report. You don't bury it down in the second paragraph. You put that right at the very top of the message because if you've got a preview function on your email, usually it's the first three lines. Yeah. So whatever information you need that person to understand, you should put it right at the top. And then if you want to put another message down below, that's fine. And that, you know, for email, I would say, you know, although we... I'm. I think my email volume is dropped by a factor of a hundred because we just we we don't use it unless we are unless it's a legal issue and we need to document things or it's a larger team and we just get more complicated. So the and then and then you know similarly on the the messaging systems the messaging systems today are great. I mean you can have 24/7 interaction on these on these platforms and um,
0: because you mentioned you mentioned slack and you've also mentioned salesforce and you you probably know that uh, salesforce bought slack for i don't 16 20 billion i don't know something like 30 maybe not that much but but slack the founder he's out of i think you're in vancouver right or close to you're in victoria
1: Oh, I, I don't know where he's out of. I thought he was out of San no, Francisco. No, I'm saying he's actually. out of
0: Vancouver. The founder oh, okay. of Slack or the CEO, uh, he, I can't remember his last name. He was on because the, the BBC focused, uh, Matt Galloway had him on not too long, about six months ago, just before that sale. But right. he was just talking about what's, and I think you and I were talking this offline, what they're doing to create that, you know, the water cooler experience for the remote teams. And Slack had some pretty innovative stuff. And I don't know if I mentioned there was a previous podcast. I don't know the company, but they, when you're, you know, when you're in a, you're in a, a team envi- or you're in a, um, a big room, and there's a social event, and there's tables everywhere, and people standing around, and there's six people. Yeah,
1: yeah, we were talking about this. And yeah, you
0: kind of nudge. They, mm-hmm. You kind of get the eye of the person that you want to speak to, and then you know, then, you know, then you, then you wait until he's done, he or she's done, and then. But in the, I don't know if it's Slack, they're trying to do the same, but the, the avatar on, on the Zoom call, the avatar nudges that person, and so that, it, it, and they, they nudge back, saying, Yeah, when when i when I'm done talking.
1: yeah i i think that a a lot of functionality that was built for the pandemic may not carry through post pandemic i think if you've got the option of going actually being in the room with those people you're probably going to go and be in the room and i don't know that a lot of the bells and whistles that um that we've seen like you know the not only bells and whistles but practices that came up like people eating lunch together on camera after work piece after work pizza parties or things like that I think I think the thing, some things are going to go by the wayside, honestly, as, sure. as the world gets back to some sort of normal. And what's really interesting about um, Slack, he was probably smart to, uh, is that a lot of that functionality has been integrated now into the larger platforms like Microsoft Teams and WebEx Teams. And, you know, I think Slack actually lost a little market share over the, because of the big, big platforms were so much easier, at least on the corporate level, for people to... For people to um, participate in well those, and, that, you know that functionality
0: to, to keep the trail if you have a discord you know discord like discord's another one that's sort of growing but it you know and i don't know telegram is just pushes i didn't like telegram it's more like whatsapp and it just pushes things down and you don't see the, the history but slack and discord you can see that history and that's why it's very powerful in the enterprise because then you could you could have breakout rooms and you could i think you can control who goes into those those rooms per, per se. And so you, you can get very meta and very private, but also, you know,
1: yeah we just actually had a session yesterday led by a consultant from Calgary, interesting enough, where she put us all into spe- separate breakout rooms and yeah. uh, we did our work and we came back and we had no choice in the matter. We were put in the room we came out of the room yeah. so yeah the the capabilities are pretty incredible i mean we we tend to be a Webex shop because most of the it's still the enterprise solution that most of the large companies are oh, using, right. yeah. And uh, Zoom teams tends to be more of a smaller business, uh, B2C. Uh, it's more of a consumer-grade product at, even now. I think the security look, stuff really killed them.
0: Probably, yeah. The, 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 if you look at, yeah, people were popping into rooms and they're like, oh, they weren't even supposed yeah. to be there. Yeah.
1: Yeah, we had that happen to us. We had a big uh, two-day event we were hosting and yeah. somebody somebody showed up. It was <laughs> very strange, you know. But you Who can you can, they,
0: they change that the uh, entry levels that admit them into the room, right? That's the, the yeah. that's, a, that's first level. But yeah, to that Hopin, though, they're a company. I don't know if you heard of Hoppin, H O P I N. No. And I was on the national venture capital association. It was a two-day seminar was here a couple a few weeks back or a couple months back. And they had like people from Calgary, people from Vancouver, Toronto, and and there was just two people them running it. But it seemed like this had this huge communication. I said, "What is that on?" It's like it's Zoom, but it's they used Hopin. But I'd heard of a Hopin. So during pre-COVID, Hopin just was seed company. January 2000. They're from the UK, oh. and they're an online. They were doing online, but they just were kind of coming up in January 2020. Now I, I think in last November and. That was the last time I looked at it. They, they had a four billion valuation. They were just they just skyrocketed, wow. Early, early COVID, but they're creating that UI or user experience or UX is incredible. Like I was like, whoa, what is wow. this? Because it felt I like, have to check it out. I felt like I was in some kind of a studio movie, like that they were into some kind of studio movie studios and all that. They just took the basic service. So to your point, I understand, but that. Somebody's bolting on, people are bolting on, they're bolting on Salesforce. sales for, you know, there's people bolted on to these things and just, they focus and make it so, you know, that they improve on the Salesforce experience or they improve upon the, the I, there's people raising money on just doing something with WhatsApp,
1: creating, oh, yeah, no, creating I know.
0: something with WhatsApp, you know, so.
1: Yeah, no, it's just a little crazy. We, um, we, we find it's a little bit of app, we find a little bit of app fatigue actually, and unless you, we, we find that we need a team to test it and figure out how they're going to integrate it into our workflows oh, right. and yeah. because we've, we've got a pretty strong, again, our clients do as well, obviously for security issues and things sure. like that, but we find that, you know, too many apps thrown at people and you know, you try this, it, it really is a little, it's another disruption in the workforce. So I do like the sound of this hop in. Though I'm going to check it out for sure.
0: Yeah, I mean the H O P I N. But the you know the app. I remember geez, years ago running through the airport and you'd see the this the a magazine with the latest apps <laughs> to buy and mm-hmm. download. I mean that's just a ridiculous city because there's tens of millions. But there's a thing called App Annie. Maybe your your team hasn't. It's it's called App Annie. and They just they rank the most uh, the, the you know the, the weekly. What's the most downloaded in the App Store? Wow. I think. I think it's both Google and uh, it's both, both uh, platforms. The wow. Only uh, we only bring it up because you mentioned apps, but, and, and there's, there's a couple of real key ones that tell stories of what people are doing. And number one was this count. It's just a game. It's just a fun, stupid game. And I did it for a while, but it's number one It's called count masters, but down, if you go further down and you hit a uh, number 11, it's called paparazzi and it's a photo wow. sharing app and paparazzi just recently raised and some, several like that. They're going right at the bigs. They're going right at Facebook. They're going right at Instagram and hitting them hard, right? Just where they do, that's their space. Cause they're, they're in the cloud. Some of those big companies are in the clouds and maybe there's, there's gaps and number 21. Maybe if you have girls or w- women in your group, my daughters stop at shine all the time. Mm. They were number 21, the most downloaded app last week. So it's kind of wow. cool. Like there's just, wow. it can tell you trends on the app. So if your people are looking at apps, that might be a good place to start. So what, What's the trends out there? Maybe our clients are using these apps as well.
1: Yeah, crazy. I mean, it's crazy. Again, more distraction, right? You could could go into such a rabbit hole looking at these apps and trying them. and Oh, I have a message here that's been sitting here for two hours from somebody about a project that I need to get done. You know, you try competing with that. You know, it's super, super. It's really, it's very difficult. We have people actually on the team that do nothing but follow up. It's their entire job and they um they they That's reach really, out i mean I, right. I joke that I have somebody that follows up on me that if if i didn 't get something done on a particular day she will come she 'll send a clown with balloons to my door and harass me until I get that thing done. We have people yeah. like that and and it 's another one you say, how do you get things done? Well, sometimes you actually just have to pick up the phone right sometimes yeah. you have to. Um, send something or you've got to get very creative to get the attention to it yourself
0: of yeah because this is that yeah. the delegation because in the, years ago you would delegate because you want to but now sometimes people don't you know you can't wait so you just do it because if you don't do it yeah it, it won't, either won't get done it won't get done well back to your communication you might make the the, the letter might not make sense just sitting down and writing it uh, whether it's an email or a memo on slack or whatever but how yeah but, let's talk to some do you have founders co-founders are you you know are you a one Woman band. Yeah, so
1: there's 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 people in the company that have equity. Um, I actually merged. I was with Cisco for um, my private consulting in Cisco um, until I think 2010 or something like that, and I merged my consulting company that I had had in I think it was based in Alberta at that point with another company. They the company was large enough at that point the founders it was getting too big for them they had kids they wanted to travel they wanted to enjoy life in the beginning it was fun so i i basically bought them out and right. and that so in 2000 we talk about the company starting in 2011 but the but the early stages of it were way back to the early 2000s so the um and then i thought it would be great i'll have a nice little at that point i think there was maybe 18 18 people, and the I thought, okay, I'll have a nice little consulting company. But then it went word of mouth took it quite large, quite fast. I think it doubled in size the first year, and um, so we're, we now have a full. And we've now got the full complement of um, of team. For me, though, business it's always been a means to an end. For me, I never, I do not, I learned very early that working in an office was not a good fit for me. I learned early that I didn't like to be, I didn't like to wear business clothes. I found them really constraining and I, you know, I don't like wearing a business suit. I find it uncomfortable wearing those shoes. It was uncomfortable. (laughs) The whole dress is uncomfortable. So, uh, you know, the, I was a very, very early remote work person. I started working. I did my master's in 94. I did my thesis on telecommuting and I never, I vowed at that point, I was never going to work in an office again, ever again. And so that
0: incredible? Because it migrated. So the changes you've seen, if you already, you did the, you know, that remote, almost remote working back then, you were looking at that pre-internet.
1: Yeah. About, I think it was 25, was that 25 years ago? 26, yeah, something like that. So I, um, and even then it was, you know, before that I'd worked remotely most of my career because I chose yeah. sales because it was the easiest way for me to get, it, not have to be in an office. I found the office incredibly inefficient.
0: All those you, listen, fluorescent you must have listened lights. to Zig Ziglar selling <laughs> I pots. did. Uh, Brian Tracy in the Phoenix seminar and you know the, I, there's some of those stories I, are just incredible I don't know if you if they come up in your day at, at, at all Oh yeah work.
1: yeah we used to have in fact I, I lived in Calgary for eight years and we used to have something a fantastic group and I wish they were still I don't know if they're still around and they used to bring um they used to bring these speakers in once a month and, yeah. you know, it's constant motivation. So we had, we did we, we had Brian Tracy and numerous times. So it was a very small group. I think he's out of Edmonton, right? Originally. So it was when I he was first no, I, starting I just out. know,
0: because the Phoenix, there's all the training stuff, but they always cross into, they'll tell stories of the other one, you know, like a Zig Ziglar or a Jim Rohn. Right. Or a, I think it's Jim Rohn, something like that. Yeah.
1: yeah. But I just knew that uh, uh, it was, life was way too short to spend it yeah. in, in working inside a very poorly lit in a cubicle in a poorly lit room somewhere hey, hey I got my roots spot. that
0: way that's how I learned to. we had that literally um because the big four when you work for the you know the these the the, the I, can't, I can't remember the name right now but it's literally that we're just this room of this almost a sweatshop right and they, sure. they you know they uh and they would take the design off the floor when they we, I remember when Ernst and Young was downtown Calgary and they took all those cubicles out and it had a, almost a Nazi-like shape. The, you know, the symbol, of a Nazi symbol. It wasn't, but it yeah. was in the imprinted into. The, that's how it was because you had this four kind of. We worked this four, and then you pop your head up, you could see the other people. There's never any privacy or privacy at all. <laughs> you know, you're just you could hear everything was going. The bullpen. It was just a bullpen. Yeah. Just,
1: was, yeah, I know when I when I one of my first. Well, that's actually not true. In the nineties, I I was hired into Talus when they were um, going through. H-E-G. They, were, they were a unionized H-E-G. shop at that point. And it was when they were becoming um, regulated not to be a monopoly anymore. Right. So we were the first group of enterprise sales reps into that company and, uh, and that had ever been hired from the outside, ever. And um, we were brought in to re- sort of start the process for them to actually have to go after work, as, uh, compete, compete right and um, I remember I came in on this Sunday and I looked at the fluorescent lights above my desk (laughs) and I stood on my desk and I disconnected them and I brought in a lamp and I thought Mm -hmm. you know what I cannot work in an office that's got this horrible and I think I had about a thousand people so you got this huge imagine this huge 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 all this floor the fifth floor of this huge building and you got two lights out incredible and (laughs) Everybody's wondering why the two fluorescent Everybody lights are. It. And on it's because there? I disconnected them. Right, I put I put tape on the end so they wouldn't work.
0: That's and I funny. I
1: argued with my manager. I said this is not effective work. I cannot. This is really bad for me to have to work under this. So, yeah. that was kind of, it kind of shows you how well an office and I got together. It sure. it just was not a great working experience. So the, you,
0: uh, you've written a book. Um, is it more than one? How many books have you written?
1: well we're writing we're writing a book we're with forbes right now on uh the, it's called the it's going to be called the art of remote work that'll be out Jan- i think it'll be out december or january of later later um 2021 right. or t- it'll be january 2022 at this point and this, so it's it's everything you need to know to run a very well functioning well producing remote um either remote team or remote you know how to what is the best fit for a remote worker how to run a remote project it's everything we know how to do it's kind of like a cookbook on how our company runs and so that'll be coming out i wrote one um uh, last year and it's called how to work at home and actually get shit done and i t- it was actually the um and i did that my i got I don't married edit i
0: will not edit this podcast you just <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: no it's fine but you know what's yeah. really funny is that uh, I did a lot of interviews in the States because, you know, people were quite interested in the book, but you cannot say that word on any, it's do not ever put that in your title of your book because you cannot say that word on yeah, radio. You've got the
0: asterisk or the, what is that? The asterisk symbol? in your, I Yeah. I'm looking at your website yeah. Now. It was
1: really funny. So yeah, we've got links to both of them from our website, but yeah. the um, from the, the one and um, yeah, we just, we just, we did a study as well because The we found over the last year that it was a lot of management by opinion as opposed to management by data. And what I was seeing, you know, with the explosion of Zoom were all of these talking heads on screens. And before the pandemic, most of us who'd worked virtually remotely for years, we very rarely would get on camera, maybe for a couple of minutes to say hello. And um, everybody I talked to in was saying oh yeah I make all my team get on video it's far better far better engagement better um better productivity so I decided to go out and I and I and I did this big we did this big study across the U.S. and the U.K. and we asked people you know do you actually like being on camera and 49 percent of them said it completely exhausted them because it was so distracting and um and I, I didn't expect, I expected a, a smaller percentage of that. And we found out, you know, why are you mandated by your company? Are you mandated by your manager? Are right. you, why are you having to be on? So it was quite an interesting study. We have that on our website as well. And, you know, so because we were seeing all of these, talking about Zoom exhaustion, I was curious to know, well, why is it? Is it because of too many meetings? Is it because everybody's on camera all the time? Why? Why is everybody exhausted? So... And, and it's just that
0: seeing themselves. What the is it? Yeah. The, is it the stress of thinking that you look good or you're not right? What is yeah.
1: it? You- a lot of it was the anxiety of people yeah. peering into their houses. And a lot of it was it, what was super interesting, and I didn't is the younger the person, the higher anxiety and exhaustion they experienced. So yeah, like, this this whole you know insecurity about how do I look and having to sure. get ready and in your background and if you don't have a if you're working from your kitchen yeah. and people are going past and
0: I it, love the it, background with the super have, interesting the guy the guy mostly guys it looks like they got a, a wig <laughs> you know it's like it's a moving something going on behind their head because it's just poor quality. I, I, yeah
1: so it's it's been a fascinating for us i mean because i've been studying studying this subject you know for years and years and years i didn't stop when i did my master's degree for us it was it's been just such an incredible it's like a petri dish how are how are companies adapting to a completely new reality and what what did they you know what what can we learn about you know new best practices that we need to develop because a lot of it because we've been doing it for so long, a lot of this is second nature to us. And we just assumed everybody was like, well. well, it
0: Turns sounds like out you have, they're not. You have so much low-hanging fruit. You could pick stories and write books on, I, I, I'm looking at your, in your website and the different case studies you have. You could probably write a book, you know, the story, com, the compilation of all those. I mean, I love this, the art of remote work. It's a simple, it's a simple, catchy title uh, with collaboration with Forbes. It sounds like it's going to be something like, you know, Harvard, that what they don't teach you at Harvard kind of thing, right?
1: With, yeah. Yeah, we like to think it's a common, I think it's a, I think it's a com. it's a lot of common sense. Yeah. And it's, and we want to do more research just to make sure that, um, because I want to valid, I want data, you know, as the CFO, you would understand, or ex-CFO, you would understand the need for actually quantitative data to form your decisions on, not data by, oh, I think this, I think this is a good practice because I like it. No, let's, let's go to market and let's actually see what people think. And I this what's interesting about this pandemic is that this has been the most studied most i've never seen more studies right. on one subject in my life than this pandemic there's a no end of great great information but a, yeah well, so super interesting it's,
0: it, it's there's a company and i i, I didn't tag you but i, I tagged my my M, the mba student i was mentoring he's he's in the data, data analytics track and he's he's really interested in data analytics and so this morning, I, I just came up, it's called Imply. company raised, um, just yesterday they announced, they raised $70 million on a $700 million value, valuation, but it's about data. I'll send that to you, but it's, it's, just, it's just indicative of all that data that's out there, and, and, and these guys are saying, well, we're, I don't know where they worked before, but it's incredible. They're like, we're just developing it real-time analytics, and it's to your point earlier, we're just pulling data and get a dashboard people are they're just picking up these things off the ground it's probably like they're laying almost virtually laying around yeah you know back to your early days when you started we had
1: a sale we had a saying in the vc world um you know in the early 2000s i think if you had a pulse you could get hired as president of a startup (laughs) in the in the tech boom and i was i ran one out of uh, san jose and um we had a saying that you're better to sell on sizzle than on substance you're if you're going to go in and present, and people re- react better to a huge idea than if you take a year and develop it, so I think we've got a. I mean, I, I think it's lovely they can pull data interactively. I would just like to see how they actually. Since since none of the big tech companies have figured out how to do it yet, you would think it would be in their best interest to have this solved. And they well, still Bessemer,
0: I know the Bessemer seems to be the key, the key only funder on this one, but uh, it seems like they, yeah. They've got their attention to the tune of 70 million. So, so wow, obviously they've great. done something. And that's a series C. So they're, they're, I guess, advanced. But there's something about them. The guys themselves, I think the founders, worked somewhere. Like they've already done, I can't remember. Oh, the, it's called, uh, is it not Adobe Druid? It's something Druid. You probably know it better than I do. The platform is called something druid i think it's microsoft druid or one of those ones anyway. yeah
1: i'm no i'm sure i'm sure i'm sure there's application i mean we're finding we we've been trying to uh do for uh, forecasting out of our because we've got an american and a u.s com- u.s yeah. and canadian companies and we've been trying to somehow get a forecast out of that for a long time and we've hired all kinds of people to come in and help us and there you go there's an app Hey, it's, it's just the whole thing. It's going to be. But finished the data, in like if you want to month.
0: forecast, see the typical accountant, and we do predict. We have assumptions, and the mark, the price of oil is going to be. Those that's based on previous back, you know, it's just one static, and people they put together four or five assumptions. But data, if I go to your story about the, the different disparate groups and bringing real relevant data, pull that data, and that to, can predict and tell stories of pipeline erosion or like. There's a company here called uh, Integra Data. And that's exactly what he's doing and they're going very meta and just focusing on the data coming out of the pipeline over 20-30 years so you wow. can predict what's going to happen when it needs maintenance and when it's going to go down the same in the uk with uh, europe i read or listened to a podcast they were talking about the data pulling the data on those big windmills because those right. things go down which the farmers and whoever else is relying on electricity it goes down if you can't predict maintenance time, downtime you don't know where to switch it to the next it's deadly. It, you know, it lo- you'd lose a ton and your customer service and all that. So, if forecasting—if it can predict—if data can help you predict, your forecasts are going to be way more robust than a few assumptions. We change the price. We do a what-if analysis.
1: Yeah, exactly. It's just—it's how do you get the primary <laughs> stuff in there? Yeah. So, yeah, yeah super. Yeah.
0: All right. I wanted to I want to give you, I wanted to ask you one not one lesson. It's probably 29, 29 things I can ask you. But the license you have a license certification thing called scalable adaptive scrum practitioner. Please tell me what a scrum, how it fits into your world or anywhere.
1: Is yeah, it- so we um, as you know, corporations go through corporations go through various phases i suppose to under to try and solve problems so we had six sigma for a long time we had well we had waterfall and this is all about making cross-functional teams more effective it's all about making business projects work better so scrum and scrum and agile are somewhat related you can think of scrum like a soccer scrum and the and, and so yeah, so at some point we, we had the entire team because everybody, all of our clients were going, first we all got, we were certified in Six Sigma and we were all Six Sigma certified. And then we, got, we didn't do that with our job. But at one point, everybody and their dog was going Scrum because they thought this was going to finally be the solution to make cross-functional teams work. And we found with Scrum that we had to modify it. It was exactly the same as, the problems were the same as everything else. It was made for bricks and mortar. It was made for everybody being in the same building and it didn't adapt well to virtual. So we ended up having to put our methodologies on top of this, uh, on top of Scrum. And wow. um, yeah, and, and honestly, we're pro- I should probably take that off because we don't, we don't use it a lot anymore. The world okay. has moved on. Yeah. And uh, the people, there are definitely scrum practitioners and they do a great job in the particular in the particular area that they do, but it's the large corporations, which is where we deal, they've they've moved on from it. Okay. Everybody is either on agile or they're on the whatever the next big, heaven knows what the next big uh, corporate management trend is going to be.
0: So, Cynthia, I've been looking at your, your kind of website and the media coverage and it's, wow, I just I drilled down. It took me forever to find the, the bottom one, but no, no, I mean, you're, I, I'd never heard of you before. Maybe that's because I don't, I'm not in your space, but what, you know, what is that? Is it, are you one of those quietly, you know, like a wish yeah. you, you build a 10 billion dollar company and nobody's heard of you?
1: We, yeah, we, that was a conscious decision. We grew so rapidly by word of mouth Yeah. that I don't like stress. I don't like working um, 18 hours a day as, as I did. I was in the big big consulting area as well, and I I didn't want to do that, and I didn't want to do that to my employees, so it was a capacity issue for us. We always grew by word of mouth. Lar- we always grew um, enough by direct referrals to never have to go to market, so we are literally right now, that's the Forbes book is is our, okay, we're going to go out in the world. It was a conscious decision, and I had to gear. I wanted to make the operation. the. Comp- I want to operationalize, streamline it, Security-wise, we've got to get our act together. So we took about two years uh, when we decided to, okay, we're going to go out and get our name out there. And interesting, right. we started this before the pandemic, so perfect timing. And um, so all the scalability. And, and you know one of the biggest things was security. We, we gave ourselves, we went through uh, some security scoring. We hired a security guy in, and our score was like 33%. So boom, you know, you
0: access dual, dual, data and your, yeah, dual authentication.
1: We do yeah. we have score reports every every week. Everybody's, you know, we're changing all wow. our passwords. We have auto-generated passwords. So because Forbes is a 92 million a month platform, 92 million views a month. And if you think you are going to get on that platform and you're not going to have hackers come after you, you're out of your mind.
0: That's the so API. We, Is that the API coming in or just coming in as a, what do you mean? Like are,
1: that's how many, so the Forbes platform where we will be featured, where the book will be featured, where all right. our authorship will be featured. It's 92 million views a month. And that, that's just what, that's, that's how that's they sell a lot their of eyeballs.
0: That's a, it's lot, a lot of I, eyeballs wow. and
1: it's CEO, but it also means that your exposure to outside people also sure. goes up as well. So, and that, and I, I just don't like stress. So we took two years to, to, and the website you're looking at, literally there's going to be a new one in 10 days. And we're, com- again, I, I don't like, I don't, I'm not one of these people that wants to overnight change. I like a very, you know, we're project managers. We have scope it out, figure out where we're <laughs> going to go. But you'd like a
0: blueprint. You've got a blueprint for that. All, I mean, just this, the years, how you've evolved and, and, and how you've, you look at these things and how your business, you bolted on, you know, other things from data, you know, that you're, here's a blueprint there. You probably write six books. I'm sure maybe more, maybe, yeah. you know, how to scale, not scale, but scale, or, you know, you have yeah. some catchy names and virtual, yeah. Vertira, virtual, scale.
1: everybody, everybody's so geared to trying to grow. And I'm thinking, why do you want to do that to yourself? Why would you? you know, I, I want to have a life. I want to I have vacations and I don't, I don't want to work 19 hours a day and neither, neither does any of my employees. I mean, we've got a very, we have a, one of our core values is no, no fire drills. So if somebody asks you for something on a Friday from Monday morning, you can yeah. say no. I mean, we, we train our clients, you know, so we've got our whole thing is to have, a, our whole business is geared to having a great life to empowering people in smaller communities to have great opportunities because we can hire from anywhere or virtual and we've been doing it for years. So, yeah, I guess it's a long, long story short is, yeah, we made a conscious decision. We're going to, we're going to start growing. And this is like, there's the steps and the, you know, so we know that we when we get on that platform, December, January, whenever that book comes. out, we've got to have our act together the inbound, all the inbound um, we've, We've got to be able to handle telephone, inbound emails, spam, everything. So that's what we've been doing for two years. I think a um, chatbot,
0: get a chatbot to screen all that for you and get, but you know, chatbots, if it's, there's people raising significant funds on chatbots, which are not, they're beyond the, you know, the sticky, whatever it's like, some people throw them up. They're just, you know, or the voice. Yeah. But if you know that, funnel that, those phone calls or those emails, I love that. I mean, just it's probably a good, nice problem to have, but you're right. You need to plan for that. The project management hat in you is saying we need to, we need to well, predict what's there's your, yeah. there's your forecasting. What's going to happen when we hit, when we exactly. hit. Yeah. Exactly.
1: So it's just, it, it's, it's off. This is, I want sustainability. I want low stress and I don't, and I want, I want to not have to be up at Saturday at midnight <clears throat> dealing with some kind of, some kind of disaster because as you know, I mean, anybody who's worked for a large company, these, you've spent a lot of nights working a lot of weekends and because somebody hasn't planned properly. So I don't want that for my company. I want us all to have great lives and spend time with our families and, you know, and after well, that, the pandemic, everybody I, wants to have a vacation, right?
0: I, I love that. I mean, going back to my big four days and you talking about I, those calls came on a weekend and something blew up or the deadline was missed or we did something, but they were missed. Yeah, I, I hear you.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I remember for one, I was working for a very large consulting company and we were modeling the Vancouver Stock Exchange at that point. It was a big, 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 big model. And I was, um, I, I was, um, I remember I worked until two in the morning on something. Right. I was doing modeling in Excel at that point. It was in the um, 90s. Nightmare. And um, I was called back by the senior vice president to the office at five in the morning. He called me back and said, "We really, really need this report by noon." Yep. And I can I said to myself, "Ah," uh, and I made a mistake on it. And mm-hmm. they wonder why. I mean, I'm not probably worked. I probably worked 26 hours in a 30 hour period. And how did can you, you say, did you say be to him, productive? "Don't you know
0: who I am? I'm the person yeah, who pulled no. that light bulb from above the roof. I'm not coming in. I'm not no, coming in."
1: I know. I know. He didn't know that, but. You know, at that point, you need you need a job, right? So you do it. But I said, you know, a little 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 point in my head said, if I ever have a company, yeah. we're not doing this to people ever. So, yeah. Well,
0: There's the analogy been, works. Look, Cynthia, this is fantastic. This has been a great discussion. And is there anything that I, you know, that you wanted to say today about Virtira and some of the work you're doing that I, I didn't ask? Or is there anything you wanted to say that you, a dying word you wanted to say? no
1: i think i think i would just in i think i would just encourage everybody to think out of you know just try even if if you're doing something and you've been doing it for years and you've been you just sit back and think whether it still makes sense you know i think common sense is a very overlooked capability in in today's world and and again we saw this with the eating pizza on during zoom calls these people are completely exhausted they've been online for hours and you're asking them to have an after work party does anybody think about that logically? So I think, you know, just, just, I, I just think everybody needs to have a little more modicum of common sense. And uh, and no, I, I think we I think you covered some great, great topics. It was really, really fun to go through and uh, go through some of the areas we went through. And it was great. I really, really appreciated it.
0: Well, this has been fantastic. I don't know who your number two is because I think the number two, your number two probably takes the stress he or she. <laughs> Do you want to shout out to those number two and three and in, in, in your company, or you just leave that one private? But I, I think they really—they probably take your stress from you and, and make your life easier. It sounds like because you know they there's a do,
1: lot. and yeah. I'm not going to embarrass them by naming them on, on radio or or podcasting because they are. <laughs> yeah. uh, I think they would prefer not for that to happen. We're we're kind of a company of introverts, so uh, we'll kind of stay quiet about that.
0: Well, Cynthia, thank you so much for taking the time today, and and I, I don't have anything else, and uh, I do have okay. like a list of questions I didn't ask, but you've covered it virtually. Anyway, you literally yeah. did. So yeah, you, well,
1: St- perfect. Well, listen, if I'm ever in Calgary, uh, we'll have to get together for a coffee.
0: I'll take you up on that. We can do. Uh, I'm not going to do a virtual coffee because it's no. just you're going to be exhausted and 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 annoyed. So I don't want to. I don't want to go there. <laughs> <It's perfect. laughs> thank you, Cynthia. Yeah. Have a good thank day. you.
1: Thanks. Bye bye.